Uh, John, um, have you ever had one of those projects or, or one of those, those just things in your life where you get to a point and you're just like, you know, man, I, I, I've got to, I've got to stop this. I've got to like, what is, what is the drawing point where you say, this is the line in the sand I'm drawing and you go, I'm done with this project. Like I, I, I mean, cause I know you and I have the same thing. We, we will put money and time into a project, like into a Jeep or into a truck or whatever, long past when there's any chance of any monetary return. Yeah. And most likely any chance of any uh, positive mental return. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> um, I had a couple thoughts on this subject today. You interested in talking for a few minutes? I know you got another subject you want to talk about today too. Yeah, again, we'll see what fits. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. So here, here's here's where this came from. And, uh, you know, I our listeners, you found... You finally stopped buying men's clothing and admitted you want to be a woman. Oh, absolutely. I, could use them, I think that would good in high heels. That's a disturbing. Oh my God, Mr. Clean with high heels. That Dude, I'd be like six foot eight. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh. Well, this got weird. Yeah, it did. Uh, so, if, what, what I was. I can't make that joke on this show. <laughs> uh, folks, listen to the after show, <laughs> patreon.com. We yeah. love radio. Um, no, what I, where this is coming from, where I was thinking about this, and, and you know, I've used this show, and so have you. You're selling the excursion? Maybe. Um, and, and we'll talk about that in a second. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. So, uh, I, we both use this show and we talk about, um, cars, trucks, vehicle history, all sorts of things, but we also have brought in personal things in our lives. We, we talked about when my dad passed away. We talked about, um, you know, we've on a funnier aspect. We've told a ton of funny stories of our life that are completely non-related to automotive stuff. Um, you talk know, you, about aliens. Aliens. You talk about your boat stuff all the time, which is a, a sort of off-road vehicle, but you talk about your scuba diving and your sailboat. My sailboat, <laughs> things like that. Well, listeners, um, Keith and Johnny Orange are now both swinging bachelors. I don't get on swings, man. I make them sick. No, jeez. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, uh, Stephanie and I, um, who I've mentioned on the show many times, that's why I'm saying your name because uh, I could just say the X or whatever. Uh, we, uh, but you know, longtime listeners, you know her as Stephanie. We've never said her last name. I'm not going to, but uh, you know, we came to probably the most uh, copacetic breakup of my life. We we spent a couple of months talking and just kind of seeing things, and we said, you know, and I know you already knew about this because you and I, believe it or not, listener John and I do hang out outside of the podcast studio once in a great while. And yeah, once a month. Yeah, so John knows <laughs> about this, and um, we we just looked at each other one day uh, a few weeks ago, and we said, uh, "This is not working. We our goals in life, our ideals in life, our personal, um, you know, the growth that we're seeing in ourselves, all in positive ways, but 
Uh, we just said, it's time to finally do this. And then we even we even told the kids, and we said, you know, finally we broke the news to the kids, and we say, hey, uh, you know, this is going to happen. And the kids, you know, their response, you know, we were expecting maybe some tears or something. The kids were like, well, fuck, we have time. Jeez. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kids kids are more perceptive than other people. They're, they they get a lot less credit for what attention they do pay sometimes. Oh, I, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, and so they, uh, you know, we are, um, well, we're, we're, we're split now, and she's fixing up her old house, and she's still crashing on the couch here a little bit. She'll be out, you know, next couple of days or week or whatever. And... Um, but, uh, you know, it does kind of tie into what we're doing here because some of the listeners who are involved or fans of the museum know that Stephanie is the vice president of mm-hmm. the Opera Museum. And she has assured myself and the board uh, multiple times that she is going to continue to be involved in the museum. It's still a very important cool. cause to her. So, um, you know, like I said, we, we just looked at each other and we're just like, hey, you know, and, and just like I said, our goals in life and stuff. But, you know, so it got me thinking about, I mean, obviously you go through a breakup or whatever and you think about a lot of different now, like I said, there was no tears shed. We just both knew it was over. It was mm-hmm. it was the the most healthy breakup of my life. But still a bummer. Um, it it could have been worse. It's a bummer because you think of what could the future have been, yeah, and what you kind of envisioned, and you know it changes. But I'm very much a live a life in the moment kind of thing. So yeah. But I got thinking about, um, you know, what other projects, house and um, cars and things like that. And I was thinking about, like, when do you mentally get to that point where you say enough is enough? Like this, I don't want to use the word abuse because there was no abuse with us. Um, but, you know, in a, in a vehicle situation, it's almost that way. Like, when has this vehicle abused me enough, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, part partly you mentioned the excursion. Mm. And the excursion is rusty as all get out. The, uh, the rocker panels, uh, the rocker panel elite Michigan's done a very good job of that. <laughs> I've never heard that one. Well, that's, that's my term. Uh, I like that. Hashtag rocker panel delete. Um, <laughs> and it, the transmission does all sorts of funny things. Uh, it leaks oil like a sieve. And now even just the other day driving to work, my brakes fell off. Like straight up just fell off? Fell off. So one of the bolts. You um, know you're supposed to tighten those bolts, right? Yeah. Well, how often? <laughs> I think the oil leak loosened everything up. So I mean, that's possible. Uh, Shake it a diesel, the oil. Yeah. So one of the rear. So if you ever got a stuck bolt, just put it under in a uh, leaking excursion driving. There you go. <laughs> uh, I like it. The one of the rear caliper bolts uh, had come out, and I um, I'm driving down the road, and the the caliper literally came undone just a mile before my job site and got wedged between the wheel and the, uh, you know, just the rest of the axle. End up taking out the caliper. I think we got to make a quick hold here because something did kick out those lights. All right. I don't know what that is. Is that the furnace? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could just roll with it or... Yeah, just roll with it. I don't care. If you want. I mean, they, I'm sure they don't care. I'm going to uh, cut this little part out. Are you really? <laughs> I mean, I can leave it. Huh? All right, folks, I'm going to leave this in. And let us know if the noise of the furnace really does bother you or not. I want to see at least one person comment on this on 4x4 Talk. Yeah, 4x4 Talk. We want to know you're listening. Yeah, or Podbean. (laughs) Go on there. We get get better credit if you go to Podbean or you go to uh, Apple uh, Play Music and you say, hey, there was some background noise and it really distracted me. Or you just don't care. Or you don't care. Make sure to hit like, subscribe. I will will run over there in a second and kill that thing so it doesn't do it again. Uh, but, uh, It'll any, go off anyways, you know, <laughs> so the caliper rocked 
and it uh, worked its way between the wheel and the axle, and it ended up uh, completely um, destroying the caliper, the rotor, the brake pads fell out. Yeah. The, the wheel has a nice groove on the inside, but fortunately didn't destroy the wheel. That was my next question. <laughs> it was... It was rough, man. Yeah, I would say so. And uh, so I ended up spending the first half of my work day in the driveway of my work site doing yeah. breaks. I had to borrow one of my guys' van. Well, he gave me a ride, but we went down to nice. O'Reilly's, and, uh, which was the weirdest thing. I called a different big box store while AutoZone. Who cares? You know, no one's going to sue me on this. I called AutoZone, and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I can get, I can get this. Uh, I can get the caliper. I can get the rotor. Uh, I've got them in stock. He goes, the brake pads, I can get by the end of the day or maybe tomorrow. And I'm like, no, dude, I need the brake pads. So they gave me all the prices and I wrote them down and I called O'Reilly's and they were the exact same price for the brake pads, exact same price for the rotor, but the caliper, they were $20 more expensive. So I told him, I says, hey man, I go, I said, what's that? They have a bracket with it? Yes. Okay. So I, I told him, I says, uh, um, hey man, I go, the, the caliper uh, is $20 cheaper over at AutoZone. And I says, I don't really want to have to go to both places because you're like five miles apart from each other and mm-hmm. I just need to get these parts right now on my brake. And uh, he... Uh, He's like, oh, well, as long as I can confirm it online, yeah. I'll do that. And I said, no problem. So I walk in and get all the parts on the counter for me. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, I says, uh, he, goes, he goes, I wasn't able to uh, confirm it. He says, I went online and their price was the same. I said, well, I don't know. But the dude, that's what he told me over the phone. But whatever. I said, I need the parts. I'll just take them. And uh, he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. He goes, I already just gave you the price that you quoted me. <laughs> and I'm like, so I want nice. to do a huge shout out to um, the O'Reilly's in Beverly Hills. Um, that was very, very cool. Beverly Hills, is that where you want to be? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills, Michigan. Oh, Beverly Hills, oh, okay. California. Okay. Uh, the O'Reilly's in Beverly Hills, Michigan. Believe it or not, there is one in Michigan. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's just There's also a Boston in Michigan. Too. Yes, there is. There's many cities like that. And Michigan. hell and paradise. There I've is. been to paradise a couple times. There's also gay. Yeah. There's yeah. a gay bar. I'm sure. I believe it. <laughs> you you and all people would know that. No, I don't want a t-shirt from there. Been to the gay bar in Gay Michigan. Isn't they up for that? Is it only spelled J like G A Y E or something? No, it's just G A Y. That's funny. There's literally a sign on the road that says "gay bar" so many miles ahead. You didn't know that? No. It's up in the Cuban office. That's hilarious. Gay Michigan. So, anyways. So yeah, I wanted just to give a good shout out. I I don't remember the guy's name. Something else that I want to give a shout out about their store, and I don't really want to get them in trouble, but I think with Michigan, the way that things are going right now, it's fine because they pulled a lot of the mask mandates and stuff. I had forgotten, like, I, I, I will, if there's a place that says you absolutely have to wear one when you go in, even though I, I don't wear one in most places, um, I will typically do it when I go in. Well, I was so flustered with this whole automotive thing that uh, I had forgotten to grab my mask, and... We pulled up, and they had it. That was O'Reilly's. They had huge signs all over. No admittance without masks. This, this, this. So I looked over at the guy that gave me a ride down there. I said, do you have any masks in here? You got any, like, disposable ones or anything? He said, no, man, I don't have one. And I was like, Ugh. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to try it. So I walked in. The guy never said a thing. He, had one, he had one on, but he, yeah. he, which, fine, That's if that's a company policy. So, you know, if it's someone's listening that, that's an O'Reilly's rep or whatever, they were... They, they were doing their distancing. They had their barriers, their plastic barriers up and everything like that. But um, I just want to give a huge shout out. The guy gave me no flack whatsoever. And I really respected that. And the fact that he said that he just took the um, price comparison yeah. on my word, too. And he's like, no, I'm just going to give you for that price. Because if that's what they quoted you over the phone, that's what they quoted you. So, that's awesome. So, um, you know, a huge shout out. And I got it fixed. It took me the afternoon. 
The only thing that sucked, I didn't have any air tools with me, and ah. the caliper bolts on those things are like big 11 sixteenths, and they're like Ooh. 200 foot pounds of torque. And oh, so I had to put my my little tiny ratchet for my ratchet set at work on there and hit it with three pounds sledging. Done it. Done it. So I broke my favorite old Craftsman that way. Yeah. Like an old vintage one, though, and they're still good quality. Oh, jeez. Well, this was a. This is a Husky brand, so shout out to oh, Husky, man. Husky they're brand. surprisingly durable. I beat the hell out of them at work all the time. I smoked one of my uh, one of those little multi-tool drivers. Smoked the thing with a sledgehammer, and I still use it. It doesn't really? work right. It doesn't stay in the holder, but what bits are left work. I mean, just and you know, going back to this whole thing, um, you know, like I said with the excursion, I, I just don't know. I mean, with as bent up as it is, and and as oil leaky as it is and all the other things um john like what are your thoughts like you know do you think i should keep this thing going or should i finally retire it um you know i i want to hear your extended thoughts on this i haven't learned really how to do the whole you know cut off uh, a project thing i mean like you said there's a lot going on you get a couple leaks going on you get a lot of body rust the i mean how's the um like the solid is the frame still solid body mounts off solid everything like that well the frame is uh is solid but the uh you know the body mounts mostly the front um the ends of the the built-in steel i guess what do they call those they're not really the body mounts but they're the pieces that mount to the bottom of the floor with body mounts bolt what do they call those i mean like a support pad yeah like a support body support uh, those are getting a little rusty in the front. Um, you still have them on you? Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The forms, the frames are usually pretty good. But even, like, my hitch has mm-hmm. got a rust hole through the re-hitch in the back of it. Yeah, I, I got a couple of those. And so, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I mean, I think my, my gut feeling is to drive it until something major goes. Like, the trans just goes right out. Or the engine goes right out, or an axle breaks, or something. And it's another thing. Something that's unsafe, or something. Right? The, yeah. the axle, even right now with the uh, the inner axle bearings being shot, they're wobbling. If I if I hit over about 65 on it, I can feel a pretty severe vibration Ooh. in the front. So I'm like, and it's just going to get worse. Yeah. And so I'm kind of wondering if once I get the house remortgaged and all of that, if I should just. But I don't have the money to go buy a really nice truck right now. Ooh. I could do a I could do a payment, and I'm I haven't completely you know ruled that out uh, i'd rather go buy maybe a five six seven eight thousand dollar truck that's yeah. in good shape and but um you know that's that's where i'm you know mentally i just i, I don't know where to quit that i mean the same thing goes with the land cruiser right now i keep thinking about the land cruiser i mean the land cruiser i have to completely rebuild the frame on the brett you know it's got i didn't I, realize the frame was that bad i got under there a couple months ago with a hammer and I started going around, and there's so many soft spots. So that's one of the reasons I got to take the body off the frame. Now, I could do, which a number of guys have done, which is really, really cool because it updates the whole suspension. They take a uh, FCJ80 frame, which is like eight inches longer. They chop it in the middle and short it to the, shorten it to the wheelbase of the FJ60. And then they put the FJ60 body on it. So now you have hmm. coil springs, four links all the way. Actually, not four links. You have coil spring, uh, I think. No, they actually coil spring coil spring radius arms all the way around. Ah. Uh, and, but then you end up with a full float rear axle versus a semi float. Hmm. And if you buy one that's got the factory selectable lockers, you got the selectable lockers in the axles. Body engine and trans good. 
on the on mine. Yeah. Yeah, and the body is got a lot of dents. The rockers are crap, but I've thought about the welding steel ones in there. And the doors were crap, but I have a set of four doors that are good for it. So I mean, that frame is something you can't really ignore. Body can be ignored. Yeah, but frame's kind of important. <laughs> so, so in that respect, I mean, that one, I, I mean, you have just about everything but a frame. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, can I can weld, so I can yeah. take and I can. I can plate it all up, or I. Uh, I think you're gonna you're gonna be where I am in a lot of things. You're gonna be spending more time to repair it than it would be to probably swap it. Well, okay. So if I'm gonna swap it, let me ask you this: uh, Do you like the idea of doing the FZJ80 um, frame, shortening it, and having the updated suspension, or going with another FJ60 frame, which is gonna be my leaf springs, to be a direct bolt in? Um, George Esther out at um, I think it's called Cruiser Brothers. Uh, shout out to him. I, I've dealt with him a couple of times with friends on Facebook. Uh, he's got a, in fact, I'm sure anyone this podcast that's in the Cruisers knows who I'm talking about. Um, he just happened to post on Facebook the other day that he's he's got a couple of really solid frames. So I'd probably be talking those thousand bucks shipping or something to get it here. He's out in like California or something. Yeah. Um, but so would you put would you put a, just a rust free solid original frame underneath it? I know that that keeps the value of the original, but I'm I'm modified anyway. You're going to beat it for off-road, so value of original, throw that out the window. Oh, yeah, so you know, that's what I'm asking. What kind of cost you're looking at to modify? Well, I mean, it's not cost-wise. It's more just time, and I guess the biggest cost would be because I would need a parts FZJ. So I need, and the prices are still going up on those. Yeah. You can find, I'd say pretty regularly, like one with a blown engine and a rusty body, and the frames tend not to rust on the on the 80 series, which is really nice. Mm. I think they use better steel on them. So you can find one with a good frame under it with a shop body and junk interior, maybe in the $1,500 to $2,000 range. And then you can part out, like, what you have You're left. you get a lot of your money back then. Yeah, yeah, like, so, you know, if you happen to get one with a good engine, you know, a good engine out of an FZJ80, you can sell for $800 to $1,000. Trans, maybe three $400. Bucks. Uh, interior parts, depending on what they are, um, you know, Hundred bucks, two hundred bucks here and there, so you might be able to recoup most of your money, especially if you started with a whole one and not somebody that yeah. something was already cherry picked. <clears throat> so I, I kind of have a two part answer. I I've learned that time is worth a little bit. No shit. Yeah, I, it, it's taken me a long time to figure that out. Yeah, it is worth something. So money. in that respect, I would say the the one in California might be worth looking seriously at. Because it's just a direct bolt, just go, go, go. Yeah, but if it's kind of a, a secondary project and, you know, you want to save a little bit of money and get some extra parts you need, that's what I did with Project XJ. Yeah. That's why I bought that second one, got a bunch of stuff, parted out everything I didn't need, made money on the whole thing, kept everything I needed from it. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I, I made money and got my parts. It took me, what, about a month, I think, to get that one all finally said, done, and gone. But, like I said, I got everything I needed. It wasn't out of money. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, even even the money aspect of it, I have to look, as from an off-roader standpoint, I have to look, um, you know, I have no problem with leaf springs. Leaf springs don't yeah. scare me. But, with that being said, the leaf spring systems on a 60 series Land Cruiser, have ne- they're pretty short leaf springs. I think they're only... 34 inches long, something like that. Somebody mm. can correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'd have to go get a tape measure and, and measure them, but they're pretty short. And they don't have a lot of flex. 
So to have a 60 series with decent flex and keep leaf springs, you're usually talking about doing like a Chevy leaf spring swap in the rear, and you're talking about doing either an S10 or a Wrangler, or not Wrangler, an S10 or a Wagoneer leaf spring in the front. Mm. So you have a longer leaf spring. Um, so at that point, you're still welding a bunch of mounts and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if you go to the 80 series stuff, uh, the 80 series front axle, ironically, is stronger in some respects and weaker than others. The fur fields are stronger. The brakes are bigger uh, for the front axle. But instead of having the nine and a half inch ring gear, which is a low pinion, they go to an eight inch high pinion. And, and there's been arguments again and again and again. But the fact of the matter is I have never seen nor even heard of a nine and a half inch ring gear failure on a Land Cruiser. But I've seen a number of 8-inch uh, ring gear failures in the front. But with that being said, once again, um, I've seen my opinion in the past, because you know I'm an axle guy, I'm a ring yeah. opinion guy, I set those things up. I would say 9 times out of 10, ring and pinion failure is not because it's too undersized, but it's not set up correctly. Because the failure rate that I'm seeing in them, I don't think I've ever seen someone with a... Uh, eight inch uh, front, you know, high pinion 80 series axle fail with stock four pin gears because they came with four pin gear stock for the most part. There was nice. some oddball 370s available, but um, I've never seen them fail. Yeah. And but when people swap in the 488s or the 513s, I'm seeing a pretty high failure rate. But I always have to wonder if they're set up if they were exactly the same thing with Dana 44s. I've seen so many guys that'll be like. You know, you and I know we've seen guys with 38s and 37s and, and even 40s running on TJs with yeah. a Dana 44, never blow it up. But then we see guys that re-gear 44 and put some 33s on it, and they're blowing up a ring and pinion every three weeks, and you know they're just not setting it up correctly. So I'll, I'll add this to the whole theory then with which option with the 80 series. You're going to be able to make some money back on that still. That you could then put back into other upgrades, and I get the full float rear axle. Yeah, and that's huge because the so the, I'm, I'm the semi float rear axle is not a good. I'm going to go blown, directly to that just based on that. I've blown two of them in the rear of the cruiser already. So. Nice. Yeah, just just based on those two options, I'd go that route. Would you? Yeah, and, and then you're gonna you're gonna get something that's you know less rust prone on the frame. You get your float rear full float rear axle. You get a high pinion, so you do get more clearance in the front. And the money you can make selling some of the stuff off, you can put a better ringing opinion uh, set on it. And the other thing is, too, that I have enough um, 60 series axles laying around here that if I want, there's a couple guys that have done it, not a lot, uh, but there's a couple guys that have done it that have taken and built a hybrid front axle where they use a hmm. 60 series front center section and 80 series outers. Hmm. And I could build one of those. Yeah. To go into that eventually, if I have a problem, if I never yeah. have a problem with the 80 series front axle, then just run the 80 series front axle. Yeah, for sure. Or I even at that point maybe go to a Dana 60 in the front or something like that. But I really like, kind of like you with the Jeep world, you like kind of yeah. keeping as much Jeep best parts of stock. as possible. I like keeping the best of stock yeah. with the Land Cruisers. But one of the biggest things with the Land Cruisers is the front and rear axle are both offset to the passenger side, so it limits me on rear axle That's choice. Annoying. It is. <laughs> if I did a uh, like an NV4500 swap and put like a conventional 205 or a Dana 300 transfer case in it, then I could go to a centered rear axle. So yeah. 
I'm still weighing all those options there, but I the more I look at it, and I guess that's a really good topic is, you know, in, like I said, with this whole when do you give up, I, I pretty much in my mind, I'm about 90% giving up on the stock frame in that 60 series. It looks worse and worse the more I look at it. I'll, I'll say this, and again, in terms of learning the give up skill, so to speak, I've, I've limited it to things. Or limit it to, like, I won't give up on a whole project, but a certain aspect of it. Well, I mean, let me ask you this then. You are in the same boat as me with Pegasus Frame. Pegasus yeah. Frame was garbage. Um, frame? Well, it was. I that, but. Yeah, I'm saying, <laughs> but would you do that again, or in hindsight being 2020, would you have just swapped the frame? Hmm. I probably would have repaired it, because yeah. in this case, where it was bad, always goes bad on these. TJ frames are junk. I mean, yeah, we know it's, yeah, it's that flat section where the skid plate mounts, mm -hmm. they all rot out, okay. every single one of them. Yeah. So what I did there in the way I upgraded that with that tube steel and the through bolt fittings and everything, that's rock solid. That'll outlast the entire thing. Okay. So that part I would definitely redo. Or, yeah, redo. Um, I would have paid more attention to other areas when I did that, because there, there's some other rusty sections now that I've got to take care of, and I really should have done the body work sooner, because now it's beyond saving. Well, let me ask you this, um, would you have, because personally, I kind of thought you were, and I know a lot of people do this, it's not, you're not mm. the only one out there, a lot of people try to repair the frame with the body still on it, um, that section I did, yeah. Yeah. Because that section I didn't have to pull off. I, okay. I essentially cut the frame horizontally in half. I took a 316 wall steel tube, two by, I think it was a 2 by 5 tube. I notched and bent the corners to match the sections of the frame, fully beaded that in, plated the ends up, and then basically shoved that up in there, got it as tight as I could to the base of the frame, and then stitch welded it all the way around. Okay. And then I put some reinforcement brackets for the lower control arms to that, just so I didn't get those folding in or anything. I did leave space on the end, so any water or anything that gets up there can drain out, though. Okay. So, and then I use, as you well know, the cold galvanizing spray on everything that I do. Is that holding up okay? On that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I have a, somewhere behind the garage, I have a test piece I did years ago that I, I it was a scrap piece of the XJ, actually. And I just did, you know, the, the E-code on that, a place I cleaned, treated for rust, and then coated. And then just another area I coated, and it's it holds up pretty good. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, that was kind of where I was like, you know, I, don't, I just didn't know if, if I If you can do it tube steel that way. Yeah, well, I think if, if I wanted to save my current frame, I could pull the body. I'm going to pull the body off anyways. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen no matter what if I continue with this project. And... I mean, if I sandblasted that frame, maybe use your buddy that does the sandblasting yeah. instead of me having to spend a whole bunch of time doing it. And I, and I knew exactly what I had at that point. You know, two weekends of welding out there, I could have that that original frame back to, because I'm a good welder, I'm a good fabricator, yeah. I could have the thing back solid again. And I'd say pending more looking at it would be, like you're about to say, I think your decision there. See all bad switch yeah. cheeses and all that. Like you said, mine was solid. From about the halfway point up. Okay. Well, little little below, little below the halfway point. That call it almost three quarters of the way, was good, but that 
second quarter from the bottom, if that makes any sense, was kind of iffy. So I just cut straight up halfway all the way up. Okay. It just made it simpler to do it that way. I can see that. I can, I, I can see the way yeah. doing that. Um, I also did a complete overhaul of the mount system, though. So normally on those, they bolt through the skid plate into the bottom of the rail. Yeah, it's a terrible design. Yeah. So what I did, uh, the steel tube, I bored one-inch holes in about the uh, alignment for those same bolts. Uh, welded a steel tube there. Again, plated all the way around so nothing can get in here. And it won't crush the tube as I'm tightening bolts or anything. Kind of a spacer sleeve, I guess you could mm -hmm. call it. Then modified the skid plate with a U-bracket, go all the way around, bolts everything together. Okay. I mean, this it's stupid overkill. Well, no, I know. I've seen it. it looks good, but yeah. I, I just kind of wondered if you would do it again. That was a, Absolutely. That was 100%. That area. Yeah. So, you know, that might be what I do. I, I think since i got to pull the body off the frame anyways, pull the body off the frame, then look at the frame, get around it, really start in there, get in there with a pick hammer, see what, yeah. how rotten this thing really is, and then decide, okay, am I yeah. going to spend a weekend or two uh, welding this thing back up and trying to work with my current frame and then just mm -hmm. keep the in, in the rear I would definitely because my flex in the front is okay yeah but my flex in the rear is terrible I think it's only got like four inches of flex in the rear mm. so uh, I think I'd probably go with like 62 inch uh, Silverado rear leaps because I have plenty of room to do it um, and that's just moving some brackets around yeah so uh, you know we'll see I and that's that's where I'm at I, I just but once again, even there, like in my mind, I sometimes say, well, maybe I should just get rid part of the Land Cruiser, get rid of the excursion. Um, I don't really have anything else to get rid of per se, but get rid of those two projects because our buddy Dan, he, he was in the same boat. He's, mm -hmm. He had his daily driver 98 Cummins Dodge, which was, you saw that truck, it was a mint condition yeah. truck, a beautiful truck, but he was running into a lot of little mechanical gremlins with it. And he was keeping up on him. So... Whoever he sold it to got a really good deal because he was he was very meticulous on the maintenance. Of it. Yeah. But he sold the the Dodge, and then he also sold his Scout that he had that he had for many many years. I think it was like a '78, '77 Scout, something like that. Yeah, I think it was nice. It, it was it was a nice off road capable Scout. Yeah. Sold the two of them, and then with the proceeds from that, he was able to put almost all of that into a used. Uh, 12, 13 Rubicon, the one we helped him put yeah. the top on the other day. And, you know, I thought about that too. It's like, well, you know, a, a, a four-door Rubicon or something like that would be really cool for me. Yeah. But for my job, being able to tow all my tools, I'd probably have to start um, carrying like a small enclosed trailer behind me. And I don't think I'd have enough money with the sale of the parts of the 60 series and the excursion to justify the payment difference on, say, a Gladiator or something. And I would love yeah. a Gladiator. I like, I know a lot, of people, cool. a lot of people hate them. I love them. I, I think like they, I think Gladiator's a great truck. So. Those who don't like them are just wrong. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> or um, I, the other option for me would be maybe a, a several-year-old uh, Toyota Tacoma with the um, the factory locker and the manual transmission, you know. That's another, because I'm yeah. a, being a Toyota guy. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't turn off the phone. Uh, oh, who is it? Turn off the clock. All right. <laughs> Oh, watch this. Watch this. Hey, listen, yo, dude, we are recording a podcast right now, and you are live. Yeah, so uh, can I call you back, or is there something important? All right, well, Ryan, so Mr. Ryan Egan of Blue Star Demolition is currently on a wheel and podcast. What do you have to say? 
kind of caught you off guard. So have you ever taken your uh, Chrysler Town & Country or whatever that thing is you drive every day, ever taken that off-road? Oh, what? Do you got all-wheel drive in the Saturn? Well, I mean, you ever off-road it? Have you ever taken it off-road? Why not? That is not on its last leg. That thing looks like five times better than my excursion. We're literally sitting here talking about whether we're going to get rid of the excursion or not. What do you think? Is, is the excursion, should I keep driving until it dies, or should I replace that thing finally? So, all right, man. Well, hey, uh, I'll, I'll call you back after the show, and we'll figure out, uh, you know, whatever you need. Our bike. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's too perfect. <laughs> so uh, Ryan, there's a buddy of mine from work. Um, it, you know, big shout out to him. I'm going to make him listen to this episode now. Uh, I'm going to have to boost I, those levels I, a lot. So apologies for any distortion from that, but I'm not cutting that out. Okay, it's too good. All right, so uh, I'm going to give Ryan, and this is something else. Actually, talking about our when is it time to give up, or sometimes when is it time to change direction. I'm going to talk about that a lot. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Ryan directly. Okay. Okay. This. And um, this is actually a really good topic. Um, Ryan, I've known him now for two or three years. Okay. Um, really good guy, hard worker. When I first met him, though, he moved pretty slow and he, he would work steady all day long, but he moved pretty slow because he was like 350, maybe plus pounds. He was a really big dude. And he finally said, you know what, I've had enough of living like this. And he went and got gastric bypass surgery, uh, which he tells everybody. So I'm not giving away his personal secret here. And, man, he's down to about my weight right now. He looks fantastic. I mean, I'm not into dudes, obviously, but he's about my weight. And this dude, we're at work, and he's done a bunch of drywall with his dad's company and everything. And, you know, the other day, I went into this laundry room that we had to do the demolition. And I'm like, man, I said, I just need to start stripping the drywall out of this room. I'm like, I got the guys upstairs doing something else. I'm like, just start on it, and we'll come down here. We're done. I come down there like two hours later, and he had it done. Yeah. I'm like, Ryan, where did the energy come from? He's like, I don't know, man. I'm good at this. Just keep going. So nice. um, I, huge props to him, man. He made this lifestyle change. He knew That's when awesome. enough was enough, and he just got to that point where he said, I'm going to do something about this. And the awesome. guy just, he's 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 like a freaking pack mule, man. He's, he's <laughs> not, he doesn't. He doesn't run like Speedy Gonzalez, but I mean, he just works, 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 and that's awesome. I'm, I'm inspired by him every day when I see him at work because I'm like, dude, this this guy made a positive change in his life, and yeah. he's and he's gone from you know I don't know how long it would have taken to do that room before, but now I'm just like, dude, like <laughs> seriously, you're kicking my butt. I couldn't have done that laundry room he did the other day mm. that we that we took out. I couldn't have done that in the time he did. I, huh. I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke up his butt. I seriously I don't know how I got done that fast. That's awesome. So, um, but anyway, so yeah. back to whatever the heck we were talking about. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, just, you know, when to give up and, and yeah. projects and things like that. But, um, you know, man, that's right. And another thing I was thinking about, and this maybe kind of segues into a topic that I know you wanted to talk about a little bit. I'm kind of wondering if I need to push... Well, yeah, we were talking about how he went to the Gladiator and I had to do a trailer or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was I know think, a guy selling a trailer. I was kind of thinking, like, if I can just just 
keep the excursion and the um, trailer or the, the the Land Cruiser going just long enough where I can get to a point and I know that you've got a deposit on the Cybertruck. Yep. Where I can get a deposit going, not deposit, where I can go buy an electric vehicle that has a two to three hundred mile range because very rarely are my job sites more than 80 or 90 miles away. Yeah. As long as I can charge it every night. Uh, I'm, and I know that there's so many petrol heads out there that are like, oh, no, I'm not giving up my internal combustion. I'm not giving I mean, I even saw a meme the other day where they were like, you know, Ford was like, oh, here's the best-selling truck we have. We're going to completely electrify it. And then it says CEO of Chrysler. It's like, MPG? What's that? Put a Hellcat in that thing. <laughs> I saw that one. I love that. So, Did someone share that on 4x4 talk? They might have. I, I don't remember. We'll do another 4x4 talk uh, eventually. But, um, so I know that there's a lot of uh, media buzz in the automotive world right now about the new F-150 going all... Is it completely all electric or is it not? The, the F-150 Lightning is. Lightning. Yeah. So it's only... Um, so electric that, only. Okay. Yep. What do you think about that? It's it looks cool. I mean, I, I like truck. the look of it. Yeah. Uh, what's the range on it? Uh, so it's got two options. It, it's standard, about two hundred thirty miles. Its extended range option is three hundred. Okay. And so, the MSRP I did read online starts about forty two thousand. Yeah, uh, thirty nine nine seventy four. This is going. So I've got a spec sheet here pulled up from TheVerge.com about okay. this. Uh, it's the same information on Ford's website. Just put in a little chart so I don't have to dig through crap while we're talking. Here. What's the what's the the vehicle warranty mileage and battery life and all of that? Uh, doesn't say any of that yet. It's got the battery capacity is NA'd out across the board. Mm -hmm. uh, it just gives me the range on it. Well, you know, I mean, I guess that would be very important to me if I because I've said before on the show that the I'm I'm very much a conservative guy with my money. And yeah. I don't like having payments, and the only time that I would ever consider buying something brand new is something electric, because if I bought something electric, I want the freshest batteries I can get. Yeah. I don't want to buy a 5- or 10-year-old Tesla or something like that, and then maybe have to do batteries in two or three years. Yeah. So, uh, I'm really curious as to what the warranty is on the new F-150. I don't know if they even have that posted in China. So, I may have to through their website. I may have to wait till they're on dealer lots. Um, I will tell you this. I mean, they only released it what four days ago, so yeah. that may not even be published yet. So, so I can't name names on this one. Um, and you know, you guys probably, you know, there's listeners out there that realize that we're a couple of guys in the basement here, but there's other <laughs> realize there's other listeners out there that realize that Johnny Orange and I have some interesting industry contacts and we have for a number of years now and that's why we've gotten to do things like SEMA and Ultimate Adventure and we've done a lot of really cool stuff through the podcast and uh, I was talking to a um, engineer over at um, Daimler, not Daimler Chrysler, Cerebus Chrysler, wherever they're called. Let's just say Chrysler. Yeah, I'm okay, okay with that. <laughs> okay, so they changed names, uh, you know, like Prince did. So, um, anyways, I was talking to an engineer the other day uh, over at Chrysler, and I said, man, I says, uh, and I was talking to him, I says, I would be really, really interested in, a, as we had on the show uh, a couple episodes ago, where we talked about the Wrangler 4XE, and which is really funny because they don't want it called that. They want it called, like, 
the 4 by E. Mm. They don't want people calling it the 4XE, <laughs> but everyone's calling it the 4XE. Uh, that's like, awesome. It's like too bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, I said, you know, I've read two very conflicting reports. One of the top execs said the Gladiator will never have the 4XE package. Another one of the top ex, uh, execs said it will be available by the end of next year. Mm. And so I said to him, I go, man, I go, if the Gladiator had that hybrid technology, 50 mile per gallon, small pickup truck, Rubicon package, lockers front and rear, I said, that would be really, really, really in solid axles. Yeah. I said, that's going to be really, really tempting to me. And I said, you know, and he looked right at me and he goes, Keith, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, obviously, he goes, I, you know, he didn't want his name named or anything like that, but he goes, every single truck that Chrysler builds, within five years is going to be available in either hybrid or electric. He goes, that's already on the board. He goes, that's not for negotiation. He goes, every single product we offer. He says, you're going to see every year we're going to do more and more announcements. He goes, in five years, our plan is to have the entire fleet either available in gas and electric or hybrid option or fully electric. And I said, hmm. you know, I know, that is really cool because it's, you know, as much as I still think that we're in the stone ages with some of this electric Technology. I think it's really cool that they're moving towards that way. Yeah. Uh, because the torque and output numbers and the fact that gas prices just keep going up, it's, yeah. it's not a bad thing. There's some, speaking in terms of technology, I when they first announced the Cybertruck, it was using current technology, all the specs and everything for that. Since then, there's already a new technology. I want to say something to do with carbon in the battery cells. And I've never not read into it. But I just recall reading about it a little bit here and there. And in the last couple of days, I've heard something now about some kind of aluminum option. <laughs> okay. And it's, you know, everybody on the pages I'm seeing is like, oh, I wonder if they're going to use this. Well, this is an even better technology. Hopefully, they're going to put this in this package. I so only we'll, see, we'll see you know, how Musk using top-of-the-line technology. I don't see him using And there's a lot so being suspected that that could be the reason for some of the delays. Well, um, they've already fully said that production starts in November. Yeah, and towards the end of the year, there's been a number of people who have already been contacted, actually, about the Cybertrucks. And it's interesting, because apparently some of the people getting emails are actually out of order. Like, they're, they're different areas of the, the pre-orders. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, us being up here, you know, the, the vertical side of the continent here, <laughs> or rather, of the, um, the country... Yeah, I don't think we're going to be anything in the first group. I think no, it's going to be locals down there. No, probably not, but I do think it's going to happen. Um, oh, it'll I, be up here. Oh, I'll be up here. I can almost guarantee. I just on my daily drive to work, almost every day I pass by two Model 3 Teslas. I see Teslas every single day at work yeah. um, going up and down. I'm working in, a, in Birmingham, Michigan right now, and probably every 10th vehicle that goes by is a Tesla. All right, that's a lot more than I'm seeing. Yeah, I, there's Teslas everywhere. I'm also I see a black one and a white one. Straight I'm also up seeing the Mustang Mach-E's. Oh, I'm seeing nice. a number of them going up and down 696. We mm -hmm. talked about them uh, several yeah. episodes back. And I didn't think those were going to be available as soon as they were. Yeah. And that's a real uh, game changer to the market. That's the fully electric Mustang four-door SUV, yeah. which is still weird to say. But, uh, oh, I did see one of those actually now that it was on 696. Yeah. I went to a dive shop to get some parts a few weeks ago. Thanks again, James. Much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I passed by one on the highway. I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh, I, I didn't like it. 
you know, in person, I, did I not don't like, like it. the styling of them. I like yeah. the idea of them. I like the fact that they have very much the same options of the higher end Teslas at a very much lower price range. Yeah, and it comes with the Ford, um, uh, you know, basically the because right now there's not Tesla dealers all over where you can take your vehicle in for work. No, uh, there's they one a, in Troy, I think it's the closest. They to have us. a decent support system, but. Uh, you know, you go to any Ford dealer with your Mustang Mach-E. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I always met, I always, I've thought about that a number of times. When I was going to school through General Motors to be a GM tech back in the 90s, and even then, we were playing catch-up to the uh, computer technologies for the sequential and multi-part fuel injection. Mm. And now all these mechanics that are they speak gasoline yeah and you know obviously over the last 10 or so years a lot of them have started to speak computer but it's been a computer still working with a gasoline engine oh yeah and now they have to learn electric they're, they're basically becoming electricians yeah and it's just a what an interesting field to be in rapid changes in your field it will be a real bummer to see a lot of that knowledge base gone yeah. I mean, so many of these mechanics and technicians have been doing this forever, grew up doing these. You know, even, I mean, how much we've lost with carburetor already being gone. I right now only know of one guy, somewhat locally, mm-hmm. that knows how to tune a carburetor. Like, really yeah. tune a carburetor. Yeah. Like, I can do it, but I'm not great. Yeah. But th- I know one guy that can make a carburetor sing, and it's like... He'll be, he's got to be in his 60s now, 70s maybe. Yeah, and you, you figure, you know, using your other example there, if in the next five years everyone's going to be mostly hybrid or electric, you know, within 10 years we're going to lose almost everybody, 10, 15, 20 years. Anyone who knows anything about carburetors is going to be gone. I'd even guess the venture that probably uh, 9 out of 10 mechanics today don't know how to set points. I would agree with that. You know, it's just, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I've never, old, I've never messed with any of that stuff. Not, it's know. not bad technology, but yeah. the, the shame of it is that when you're restoring an old car or an old truck, yeah, you still need to have somebody that knows how to do that. Yeah, and of course, a bright enough person can learn, and they have to learn an old skill set. It's kind of like people that learn how to forge swords or learn how yeah. to, you know, make cast iron cookware or whatever the case may be. Or they, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're learning an old technology. Yeah, but it's still a very niche market. And oh yeah, you don't have a lot of people to do it, and of course there are people that are make a really good living by being that. Like when we restored the hit and miss engine we made ice cream for the museum with, uh, there was only two places in the entire country that could restore yeah. the magneto on. Yeah, and it ended up being an airplane uh, restoration place in Maine. Yeah, and they charged a premium price. Oh yeah, to do that. For those that know and want to stick with it, there's there's a heck of a market. I should rephrase it. There's a heck of a lot of money to be made, but it's going to be few and far between. Exactly. You know, as people upgrade, and I mean, who knows, 50, 60 years from now, we might be talking about, remember multi-port fuel injection? Remember what a fuel injector and gasoline was? Well, (laughs) that's one of my fears. I mean, because more and more now, um, you've got a number of companies that are coming out with package deals to swap into antique cars to make them electric, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. I think it's neat, neat stuff. But for the enthusiast who wants to keep an original running, let's say they want to have a Packard or a, you know, a Cadillac or, or an old Chevy or a Ford or whatever, whatever it is, bag, and they want to keep it all original and they want to keep it running and driving, Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we're 
close, at least in 49 states. I think California might be the closest to completely outlawing um, gasoline. Yeah. Because uh, I know I think Los Angeles said uh, 2028 or something they're not allowing any um, hmm. non-commercial, um, like any any non-commercial vehicles have to be electric. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it's wow. something like that. And, you know, huh. they're still going to allow semi-trucks and um, delivery vehicles, but if it's non-commercial, it has to be electric. Wow. And uh, we're going to see more and more of that. And, you know, the only saving grace, and I was actually thinking about this on the way home the other day. I go, uh, you know, somebody needs to, some chemist or whatever, needs to come up with a quote-unquote synthetic, clean gasoline product and even if it costs five six eight ten dollars a gallon something that you're going to be able to run in the anti carts at least take even if you trailer the car to a show yeah and you want to be able to drive around the fairgrounds in a 37 packard um if somebody doesn't develop a product like that and they eventually completely wipe out gasoline uh all these anti cars are going to be completely mothballed i mean there there is a way you can convert them to run with alcohol True. I mean, you know, ethanol and all Probably that. Me. I can run alcohol. I think we all do. Oh, okay. You know, you, you hit 21 and it's just, <laughs> boom, now we all run on alcohol. The conversion system. Yeah, yeah. caffeine and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> well, the caffeine's more, I think, about 35 or 40 years. Like, then, yeah, maybe. I, mean, I got I a guy who drinks a pot before first break. An entire yeah. pot. Then he drinks like two more throughout the day. That's like my dad. You can drink a pot of coffee, though. Hey. This dude, he moves like a crackhead stealing copper. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, That's it, offensive to copper enthusiasts, you know. Or to crackheads. <laughs> but, uh, man, um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, your thoughts on this truck? Yeah, I mean, do you want to go through a bunch of specs right now? or yeah, we, Maybe we can do that in another episode. All right. We getting kind of a little long on this one, are we? Yeah, we're 49 minutes. Okay. we got a little bit more to go, but I, well, I think that one... I think we should dedicate a little more to it. Okay, I got you. It, it's a cool product, and um, I am interested. And who knows? Maybe I'll own one soon because... I'll, I'll throw this little teaser out there. Um, so to make sure to listen to whenever we do that episode. Uh, there is one huge feature on it right now that I, I was reading about that the Cybertruck does not have. At least to the best of my knowledge, yet. So basically it comes Built with Built-in George Foreman grill in, in the uh, glove box. No. Oh. <laughs> Essentially, it, it comes with like a, a fast charger you can wire in and do, what is it, like 19.2 kilowatts an hour or something like okay. that. Stupid fast. Or it comes with a, uh, another charger that you can use anywhere for 110 or 2 points. I thought the Tesla you could do that with. Well, you have to do a dedicated charger for it. This one comes with options thrown off anyway. So you can just pull up like a job site and you can plug it in. Yep. And that that's something that would be important <laughs> to me because if I'm doing like let's say I'm doing a job on Ann Arbor and I got a really long drive. Yeah. I would just as soon plug it in at my job site, yeah. let it sit charging all day, and then even if it only brings it up ten or twenty percent, that's enough. <laughs> it saves me some money at the end of the day. Yeah. And it also lets me make sure that I've got the charge to get where I need to go. Yeah. So I may have to look into these things. It's, it's a neat option, and I, I really like and respect it. When, when does the F-150 Lightning come out? I believe it said it was spring spring of 22. Does so it? Um, early next year. As is, of now, early next year. Is it going to be available in both a 6- and an 8-foot bed? Or is it only going to be? It just be... shows it at 5 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> That's oh. my option. 
Yep. No, see, I need like I need at least an extended cab eight foot back. Yeah. You you want me to throw a real uh, nasty chink in that chain? This article compares the F one hundred and fifty Lightning, Cybertruck, the Hummer EV, and the Rivian R one T. They're in Rivians. I mean, I like the idea of the Rivian, but the, I've I've I, done nothing to look at it. Other I, than I've actually I've actually spoken to the guy who runs the company. They are so far off of being in production right now. They're oh, trying to get more funding. So Rivian's probably gonna it's gonna probably be one of the top of line products, but they're not getting the financers that they need to continue yeah. with it. I think Tesla and the big three are killing them. Well, even if you know this individual, I'm sorry to say, but this is probably my least favorite feature about it, and I would not buy one strictly based on this feature mm -hmm. alone. Bed size, four and a half feet. Nope. Nope, I'm out. <laughs> I like the idea of what Bollinger Motors is doing. You look at the Bollinger? Nope. <laughs> so Bollinger is, they're a four-wheel drive. They're very, they're actually taking a, um, the idea of like the old uh, Land Rovers, the first generation, like, uh, disco ones or whatever they would be ah. and they're making a modular system where they're essentially the truck is a platform with a drive system and wheels and then there's this body that just bolts on and chunks ah. and you can you can put it in different modules you can pull off different parts to do it to lay Ooh. it out differently oh i like and that. it's a complete free flow through so you can put like a, a 12 foot two by four all the way through the vehicle, all the way up to the grill area. That would double the value of the truck based on wood prices right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it would. Uh, and I really like that they're huh. doing with Bollinger. I don't know how that's gonna work with safety features such as airbags and all of that. And that might be something to get scrapped, but that is their current I'll plan. Yeah, that's um, cool. they, have, they have photos and drawings of them like hauling I-beams and, hmm. and two by fours and stuff all the way through the truck. And I think that's, that's cool. kind of a neat idea. It's kind of like yeah. an avalanche plus. Yeah. Is what it is. You know, it goes all the way I through. I still like those. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. Or no, I'm thinking the Aztec is that everybody here. Okay, got I it. like them. So, you know, we'll see, man. We'll yeah. see. I, I, I like the idea of them and where they're going with them. And yeah. we'll just have to find out. Well, I'll say this. If you guys want to weigh in on what we're talking about here today, check us out on Facebook.com slash 4x4talk. Or just type 4x4talk in your search bar, pull it up, a couple quick questions get you on the page. Uh, throw us your comments. Like I said, there's one I want to hear so at least somebody on the page call out. I'm not going to repeat it because you hopefully remember. But check us out. You can post there, interact with people, get questions answered, opinions, input on projects, and anything like there. Absolutely. And, you know, we mentioned a couple of times during this episode the Museum of Offered Adventure, which is our brainchild and our baby uh, that we really gave birth to Whelan. So, um, it was a long delivery process. Yes, it was. And uh, if you're interested in seeing it, it is open to the public in Clay Township, Michigan. Uh, another episode we are going to have to do is about one of our newest acquisitions. Oh, yeah. Super cool. different and super cool. Yes. And we do own it. Not something that is on loan. Yeah, uh, we had a very, very interesting vehicle donated to us, and uh, we might have some stuff on the social media soon. So if you want to find out about it before we talk about it on the podcast, you want to follow us on Museum of Offered Adventure on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and John has mentioned before that if you are interested, and we uh, would really appreciate it if you leave us a like. And a comment. The, the comment section is very, very important, and we try to respond when we can, but at least it helps us in ratings and all sorts of other things. 
if you go on your podcast platform that you are listening to us right now and leave us a comment or even ask a question. We will try to hit it in one of the episodes. So um, it's we'd love it if you can do that. Don't forget to share it, too, while you're at it. And check us out on patreon.com slash radio. Uh, access those $2 a month or check out a bunch of the free episodes we got up right now. Uh, we get into a lot of extra stuff we forget about in the show. It's a little bit more relaxed. I don't really want to call it R-rated. I mean, some of the episodes get up there. More like but... a double X, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a lot of fun with that. It's just a lot more content. Uh, you'll hear some more, I guess you could call them personal stories, things we can't get to in the show. Sure. So check that out. It's a good time. We all have a lot of fun with that. So, And I think with that, we'll say thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody. 